Hello, I'm Charma. Charmed to meet you. I'm here to introduce the episode that takes you through the guide on how to set up your cupping session when you want to cup by yourself, with friends, or if you are cupping as part of the cup-along sessions with the coffee folk that kindly gave up their time as part of the cup-along group of the Coffee Brewman's podcast. In this episode, some of the Brewmaster's team are asked questions from Fadon from Cape Coffee Beans, who kindly sponsored the coffees that we tasted, on how to use the document that is available on coffeebrewmans.co.ca. Enjoy, and I hope we answer all your questions. <laughs> Ah, there you are. Yes, hello. <laughs> I thought I'd lost you. Oh, God. Oh, sorry. How's it? How are you? All right, thanks. You? That's good. Do you, you obviously know each other. We've met once. Yes, we have, once. Once. At, um, at, the, uh, at the cupping that was at the old union place. Yes, that's right. Basically, what I did is I wrote a document on how to set up a cupping. Um, and the idea, Fade and I wanted to record it, and then I said, well, he then said, why don't he call me and ask questions on how to do it, so we can talk to the cupping, so I thought maybe with you doing the score sheet, although I haven't seen it, you'll be able to add some things, because there are some score stuff, uh, there is some scoring and the stuff. Setup. Thank you very much, Faden, for, for sponsoring the coffee and stuff, though, I mean, that's, that's no, really great. No, no problem. You. No, no, not at all. It's a, it's a small thing. Happy to do it. I think this should be fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's a really exciting idea. Yeah. I think it should be cool. So, I mean, in in terms of how we do this, um, so so as Warren said, I, you know, we thought it might be better as a conversation rather than as one person trying to present it, and and I definitely yeah. thought that as you guys are more authoritative on this than I am, I should be asking questions and you should be answering rather than the other way around. <laughs> Warren was trying to convince me that I should talk through the cupping thing, but I don't live in breathe cupping quite the same way. Okay. So, um, but I'm I'm also conscious that so we're now talking about there's going to be the cupping guideline, there's going to be the score sheet, and there's going to be the cuppings themselves, and each one of those is going to be a separate podcast. So I'm I'm of the mind that we should try and keep at least this section somewhat brief, and and perhaps not go into too much of the detail. More about kind of the top levels and some of the broader questions like, you know, why is cupping something you want to do and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I'm cool with that. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. I, I would agree. There, there is a lot uh, now kind of going on when actually for most of us, cupping is pretty simple. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. I'm also, I'm also of the mind and I'm, there probably needs to be, some final final touches to the document as well, but I'm also of the mind to try and make a clear demarcation between um, what someone can do for a simple version at home and what somebody might do if they pursue the full degree of detail. Um, because I, I think it's going to be interesting to get people to do this who've never done it before, and I'm sure that they won't go to the full level of detail the first time they do it. So I think kind of drawing out, you know, what are the basics and what are the more advanced steps will be interesting. Yeah. So first of all, we welcome Faden. He's kindly volunteered to sponsor the coffees we're going to be tasting at the three cuppings. Welcome, Faden. 
Thanks, Warren. Thanks. I'm I'm excited to learn something about cupping from this process. Yeah, we. I think we all are. <laughs> I think some of us are nervous that we're going to going to be found out. <laughs> maybe, maybe. My, my hands up. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Well, well, well. Let's dive in. I mean, I, I suppose some useful context for the listeners here is that Warren, you have prepared a document which we'll be sharing with the listeners on how to do cupping, but we're going to cover some of the basics and some of the questions that people might have in this podcast episode today, right? Right. So before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, why don't, why don't we start with that all-important question, why cupping? And maybe maybe Kat can answer that question since you're going to take us through the nitty-gritty war. Um, I think in this in this context, it's um, this particular cupping is really about exploring the, the actual coffee um that's uh, that you're going to provide Faden and um yeah we we don't know very much about the coffee at all we don't know where it comes from who roasts it um and for me that's actually quite a new experience um I don't often get to taste coffees that I know absolutely nothing about um so it's a completely blind cupping um and really and really it's about um just exploring these coffees for for what they are without any of the preconceptions that may come with um, knowing anything about the coffee. So, yeah. Sure. Other well, than I, knowing that they're delicious. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly like all three of them, so I hope you guys are going to as well. But um, but I, mean, I guess just taking one step back from that, maybe for people who haven't done it before, why why is cupping and the methodology that Warren's going to walk us through in a bit more detail, why is this the way that we test coffees? Um, because it's the simplest way you can you can do it with a, a bowl or a glass of any size um, the it's just coffee and it's just water so it's really the simplest way to to be tasting coffee um, and and this is the way uh, coffee professionals are tasting coffee around the world so it's a little bit of insight into um, yeah the, the characteristics of a coffee and and how to assess uh, the quality of the coffee I guess yeah, makes sense. Is that is is that what you're? Yeah, no, that's asking. exactly what I was asking, Warren. I don't know if you have awesome. anything to add to that. Yeah, I think the the thing is for me, cupping is a standard. Um, and if you listen to uh, anybody talking about coffee, if we all cupping and we all using a similar method to cupping, when we talk about what's in a coffee, we we're not talking about uh, you know what we're not worried about a specific brew method. This brew method is pretty simple, needs no filters, needs, it's a very simplistic thing. In fact, it's probably the oldest way uh, we ever drank coffee. And uh, that to me is it's very simple. You can do it in the bush with all you need is hot water, ground coffee, and a vessel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so I will say, even though I don't think I've, I follow the methodology quite with the rigor that you've laid out, Warren, but, but we'll get into that. I've taken to cupping coffees because I've just found it the most efficient way to taste lots of coffees versus trying to brew up cups and things like that. So when I get a whole new batch of coffees that are going to go on Cape Coffee Beans, I find that doing that at least gives me a quick intro to the coffees before I start brewing them all the different ways. Um, yeah. But so so having said that, as I said, I don't know that I've necessarily always followed all the steps that, um, that Warren recommends. I think it's going to be interesting to get into that. So why don't we start with the what you need section, Warren, maybe the you know, people can listen to this part of the podcast for five minutes, go off, find what they need, and then come back to it. Okay. Um, I, I have put the list together, and there are some optional items. Um, 
But the most important thing is you need vessels. You need cupping vessels. I prefer glass. A lot of people prefer um, ceramic. But basically, your vessel should be able to take between 150 and 250 grams of water or milliliters. And this, in, in this particular case, we're going to assume that one milliliter is one gram. Although we all know that changes slightly on height and a couple of other things. The next thing you, you need is some other vessels that you're going to be using for rinsing. I know I said flushing. Uh, for rinsing between the, um, your tastings and also with the many operations you're doing where you want to clean your um, cupping spoon, which then gives us uh, the next thing, which I'm skipping ahead slightly, is some cupping spoons. Normally, a small soup spoon is fine, but you can actually buy cupping spoons. I don't know if, Faden, you've uh, found out about uh, acquiring them so you can offer them with the pack or not. So I have to mean, I, I just use soup spoons, um, but but maybe that is something I need to look into. Okay, your soup spoons are fine. I, I use them for most of the first time. In fact, I have a personal dislike to soup spoons because I don't drink soup out of them. So I finally found a use for all these soup spoons that have been lying around in my kitchen. <laughs> the next thing I recommend is some something to put the, the beans in so you can at least look at them while you're cupping or you can appreciate them and also you need them later. So I said three sauces or you could use three Tupperwares or you can keep it in the packets. It just helps it useful. There is a discussion about color of the sauces, whether it should be a dark blue or a white or if you want to get a special cupping container. Um, Kath, I know there is a reason why they make those blue. Do you know the reason? It's just the the color contrast. So um, there's something about the the blue that's um, kind of is a is a decent, not exactly contrast, but contrast to the brown color of the of the roast roasted coffee. It's one of those primary what's the name color things that they talk about in interior decorating. Yeah, mm. something something I don't know. Yeah. Okay. The next thing I recommend is three pieces of. Of scrap paper or just or any normal paper I have there's a sample of the layout sheet I have included this is just for you to put the cups in the particular location so you don't move them when you taste in them and then a kettle and optionally a vacuum pot I normally recommend a vacuum pot because the kettles never really have enough water unless you have very small glasses which is very not very easy to find 150 gram uh, glasses are quite difficult to find and then cut score sheet, which she's going to provide. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. <laughs> a scale. Now, this is this is a bit of a, a complicated one because I know some people struggle with scales. So I am, if because this isn't a professional cupping, what you can do is you can use a normal Oreo spoon or a normal co coffee spoon, and then you must just make sure that you put, use enough of the coffee to the water. But I do recommend a scale if you've got it. If you don't, you have to then live. And I will be, I'll admit um, that I have sinned and I have not used a scale before I could find milligram scales, which were quite difficult to find in 2005, five, six. And I used to use a normal coffee scoop um, when I was cupping. I, w I, w I would think that this is one of the places actually where the scale becomes particularly important though, because I suppose when, when you're brewing, you can always make your coffee stronger the next time. Whereas when you're trying to compare coffees, you could wind up with quite a different strength between the samples, depending on bean density, right? Yeah, I think I think what's if you don't mind me jumping in here, Warren. Um, I think what's what's important is that whatever measure that you use, you use exactly the same for all three cups, and you need to be a little bit obsessive compulsive about this. 
I think that's that's hit the nail on the head. So basically, use the same uh, the same measuring. Um, then I then said you obviously need a grinder, um, and I said a set to filter grind. I actually call it a Hario grind because or Hario grind or whatever you want to call it, um, because that's to me the grind that uh, people understand. Because filter can be very vague, um, and you can get metal filter and paper filter and this filter. So if you made a Hario, it would take um, four minutes for the water to go through. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I have to admit, this was one of the questions, the areas I wanted to ask about, because because I I and and I may have just been misinformed, but I'd always been under the impression that a good grind for cupping is a coarser grind closer to French press. Was I just mistaken about that? Uh, yeah. So again, I, I don't know. Um, I, it is it is largely personal preference and and custom. Um, for something like the SCAA, it is. Uh, just slightly finer than, so it's actually coarser than filter, but slightly finer than French press. Um, but largely, most, a lot of places these days are, are going even coarser than French press. Um, but again, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're doing, um, at, at least for this exercise, as long as we're all using the same grind, the grind, same grind setting. So we don't go off the reservation with, with something like that. Otherwise, you are going to get a different taste experience. Sure. Well, I always say to people, I mean, I say it later in, uh, if you have a horror and you, you're going to make a horror afterwards, or if you've got a Chemex, then use a Chemex grind because then you're going to flush your grinder and it gives you an exciting experiment to have at the end when you're going to make, then make a Chemex or horror with all the leftover grinds, which is uh, always something that I look forward to personally. <laughs> it's always quite interesting. Mix it all together and like, yeah. Yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and then of course you need a timer, and if possible a temperature gauge. Although I wouldn't get too anal about this, uh, because you can more or less—I don't know if I can use that word—but you can more or less, uh, you can more or less, forty-five seconds off the boil is about right. Um, they say between 92.5 and 90, 95.3. I think I listed it further down. Um, and then, of course, a pen and pencil. I sometimes like to have a pen that's got four colors in it or three colors, and then I can cup each color with each uh, each coffee, each cup has got a color. But that's just me, uh, and I just think it's fun when I do that. But it gives me an idea of how each cup is calibrating. Sure. Okay, well that that is very helpful. I think that should give everyone a good sense of what they need. I think we can probably not go into too much more detail about the cupping layout sheet since we'll provide people with a template for that. I think the important part about that is that you must lay your cups in a place where you're going to pick up and put them down again. So if it's in a line or some people like to cup in a line, I like to cup in a triangle because then I remember where A and B and C is. And, uh, but you can cup in a line as long as you don't put cup A where cup C was and cup B where cup A was. It's not a Turkish magic magic trick. It's a uh, it's to keep A, B, and C in the right place. Yeah, just to make sure you don't mix up the coffees. That that definitely makes sense. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about dose because uh, because I know that in in the version of the document I'm looking at, you, you mentioned that there are a couple of different kind or there's a range of doses you could look at. Um, what is it that you like to use, Warren? Well. We could go back to Cut's argument and say, let's use, as long as it's the standard dose, it's fine. But what I tend to use is I use um, a slightly stronger dose than they recommend in the SCAA um, 
um, document. So what I do is I take a cup, I pour, I put it on my scale, I zero it or tar it, and then I pour water into the cup. I measure how much water goes into the cup. I take that amount of water and I divide it by 15. And that gives me the, the dose. So a 150, mil, 150 gram glass will give me 10 grams, which is slightly more than the 60 grams to one liter spec. I call it six grams to 100 mils. Um, but I, I prefer that, that dosage. Um, as I said in the document, 8.25 is what they recommend in SEO all day. But I think the most important is let's rather get the dosing consistent. So if you decide that you want 15 grams in every cup, then put 15 grams in every cup. If you decide you want 10 grams in every cup, then put 10 grams. It also, you can also put this to your personal preference. Yeah, I have to admit that I've always historically done 60 grams a liter, and I think that your your guideline works out to 66.7 or 66.66 grams per liter, and the SEAA works out to 55 grams a liter. So I guess anywhere in that range, as long as you're consistent, is probably fine. Where where do you tend to cut, cut in terms of ratio? I I agree with you. My my starting point is 60 grams per liter, so I'll pretty well work everything back from that. The 55 uh, grams, by the way, is um, filter spec, the SCAA filter spec. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, not, that's right. Not their pour over spec. A pour over spec six grams per hundred meters. Although I could be corrected for that because I'm not 100 percent sure about that. So, so there's also that geographic tendency where where North Americans like slightly weaker coffee, if I remember correctly. But I suppose that's a rabbit hole we shouldn't go down. <laughs> yeah, wait, we'll be here forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, the important thing is, um, I the reason why I came up with this ratio is it's very easy to calculate. Sure, yeah. Uh, divide by 15 um, is a pretty easy approach. Okay. So if we move on to the next section here, Warren, again, I don't know that we need to go into too much detail about this now, but basically you've calculated your how much coffee you have per cup. Basically, you need to put three samples of A, three samples of B, and three samples of C in bean format into the cups next. Is that right? Yeah, the most important thing is to not put coffee A in cup A and coffee B in cup B and coffee C in cup C. The important thing is coffee, the first coffee goes in cup A, B, C, and the second coffee goes in K, B, C of each paper. So you have one coffee in three cups on one paper. Um, that's the most important thing because there is a little bit of a misunderstanding about the cups, which, can, which we can, maybe we can cover that now. The reason why we use three cups rather than five is normally because there's not enough water. You should be using five. The three cups is a minimum you can use because if you have, for example, underdosed or overdosed one cup or you're, something wrong with your grinder or you had a Quaker in your coffee when you dose, you're going to get a different tasting coffee. And that's then you can exclude that cup as a, as a human error. Although in cupping protocol, that normally is, means that you exclude it for other reasons. But it, it also, it's also, um, Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's also because a, a coffee that's comprised of multiple varieties, you might get a different ratio of those varieties in the different cups. And if it's a blend, I suppose that, that effect can be even more pronounced. Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah. So we tend to remove the Quakers and, and the, the badly roasted coffees out before we weigh because we try to exclude that out of the, the um, calculation. Although in a typical in quality control, you wouldn't exclude that. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I saw a really pronounced version of this recently when I cupped with Mike at Origin and we were trying his new Mexican coffee and we had two cupping bowls out that tasted 
completely different. Um, and it was it was a coffee comprised of three, three varieties, as I recall. Um, you know, just and the dose was the same. I saw him weigh it, but it still wound up tasting quite different. So I guess having three samples of the same coffee is important so that you can identify those differences, right? Correct. And in fact, any coffee that is not a micro lot will be made up made up of multiple pickings, multiple this, multiple that. There's yeah. a. I remember reading a post by I can't remember what it was um, where he said basically all coffees are blends. We all we all talk about single origins, but technically all coffees are blends. Specifically, African coffees where you have a hundred plus thousand plus farmers contributing to a single washing station. So that's a way to exclude it. Sure. So, so then I guess the, the step after that is to get to grinding. Now, um, do you have any recommendations in terms of the particular order in which you grind, or how? Or I guess the other important question is how much time between grinding and adding water should you allow? Well, it should be quite quick. Um, and the, the thing is, you need to flush your grinder. So this is, this comes back to the source or this paper. So you, you need to take literally a few like 10, 15 beans and chuck it in your grinder, grind those through, save that in that magic cup that you're going to have later, and then take your cups one by one and grind the coffees and put them in the the cups. And you're trying to do it as quickly as possible. I understand that some people have got hand grinders and, and so it'll take a little bit longer. So if you're going from left to right when you grind, then go from left to right when you pour your water. So you're getting roughly the same period between uh, all the doses. What do you think, Kath? Yeah, I think um, I, I think this is where your your timer comes in handy. So, um, in fact, if you can have two timers, <laughs> um, so kind of start the start the timer when you grind the coffee. Make sure that you're putting water on within the first eight minutes after having ground all the coffee. Um, and again, in the same order, exactly what you said, Warren. In the same order that you that you ground it in. Okay. And so the next step before you add the water, I guess while your water is heating up, is to actually take a smell of the dry coffee, right? Um, Kath, do you, do you want to talk to us about why why you do that and, and what you might be looking for at that stage that's different from once the water has, has been applied? Yeah. So um, once you grind the coffee, that's that's when you're basically uh, getting you're increasing the surface area of the of the actual bean itself, and so you're increasing the um, the the well, essentially you're releasing a lot of the the aromas and the volatiles that are actually in the in the coffee. I don't know if volatiles is actually the right word, but um, and and you want to experience that before they disappear. So once you can't smell those anymore, it means that you don't actually have access to, to be tasting them. So, um, and that's going to happen. Coffee is an incredibly fragrant substance and, and it does, it's, you lose a lot of those flavors pretty quick or those aromas pretty quickly. So get your nose in there. Um, see if you can, if you can, uh, identify anything in particular. So, so really that's about, um, what it reminds you of. There's, <laughs> Interestingly enough, there's no right or wrong answer, um, even though people may try to convince you otherwise. Um, and yeah, so so you're trying to experience a part of the coffee that you may not have access to when you actually end up tasting it. So that's what that's about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I tend to find that sometimes you get the most interesting observations at that stage, right? Right after you grind and you take that first smell. But um, yeah. Well, the science, the science is twofold here. 
The first one is the front part of your olfactory you're using when you smell. But when you add water, then there's a, a different chemical reaction to when the, the coffee is exposed to air. And so you want to get a difference between those two. I sort of always say that a rule of thumb is if you can't smell what, what, what you smell dry when it's wet, then the coffee is, is further away from the roasting date than you thought it was. So this is a good sign to me also of, of freshness of coffee. Uh, I won't, we won't go into that debate now, but, uh, but <laughs> there is, there is a, the big, is if there's a big difference between the, the wet and the dry, then you get, uh, then you know your coffee is probably three or four weeks old at least, if not older. Okay, interesting. Um, and then in terms of applying the water and starting starting to actually the brewing process, you've gotten your water, you've given it 45 seconds or measured it so it's around 93 degrees. Um, you start a timer for four minutes. Anything particular about how you pour that water in? Um, well, basic. Just, just going back to the water, I, I think this thing with the hand grinder might come as, as an issue here. So if you have got a hand grinder, it might be a good idea to cup the different coffees separately uh, because then you don't have to worry about the thermopot. If you do have a electric grinder, you grind them all together, then I would really strongly recommend that you check your water because there's nothing worse than running out of water in the middle of pouring. Specifically, if you're running out of the middle of pouring an A, like you poured A and then you poured B and then you run out of water and C and then you've got to like to cup that coffee separately. So the, the, make sure you have enough water before you start pouring the water. And then once you start pouring the water, I... I'm not a massive fan of using goose kettles for gooseneck kettles for this pour, but you can. I actually like uh, using your normal kettle or even a thermopot because you get more agitation through the, through the um, coffee. And for those who know me, they know I don't like agitating for pour over, so that's quite uh, quite a bit strange. Uh, but I think for cupping, the agitation is important, and it's a natural agitation because you're pouring the coffee in, the water in. I'm not saying throw it in as if you're trying to score a try. I'm saying pour it in, uh, so in, in a natural pour, and that stimulates the coffee and starts extracting. So, so it's not a gentle pour. It's not like a gooseneck pre-brew and extraction yeah. pour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose that that's the only agitation the coffee gets in this brewing process, right? Versus a continual pour over pour, or a stir in an air presser and a French press, or whatever it might be. I have seen people in cupping pour half a cup and then agitate. I have seen that. Mm. I don't recommend it, but I have seen that. And I don't know if you've seen that, Kat. Uh No, I, I actually haven't. Oh, okay. Well, then at least there wasn't an immediate shock then. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> okay. And then when the minutes pass and your 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 timer start oh actually sorry i had one more question on the order of pouring okay. if you're, if you're doing three sets of coffee abc do you pour abc 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 or do you pour the three a's the three b's and no. the three c's abc abc all the coffee the one coffee must all be poured at the same time because you're comparing those coffees to each other and then you, right. first you compare the, the cups to each other then you compare the cups to the coffee although technically you could argue that no coffee should be compared to another because they all have their own beauty. But I'm just saying that you should you should have all your coffees at roughly the same temperature of the same coffee. Otherwise, you're going to get a difference, a variance. Right. Each each set needs to be similarly extracted and at a similar temperature. That makes sense. Okay. And so then after four minutes, you start the break, um, which which will probably um, be a little can bit... I... 
sorry, yeah, go ahead, Kath. Um, can I just uh, say that it's it's actually more useful to start the timer from zero going up, so that at four minutes you have broken the crust. Um, but then after that, you actually you you can just watch the timer. So most people are gonna want to start tasting at around about eight between eight to ten minutes. So you either stop the timer and start it again, or uh, you just start from zero and time up. And is that eight to ten minutes after the break, or or in total from the beginning of the after uh, uh, after you've start you've first poured the water into the into the cup? Right, right, okay. That's and a, um, that, that's a nice that, tip. Yeah, that's a good yeah. suggestion. And Kath, yeah. do you want to tell us about the break and what the function of that is? Um. So, so you're gonna um, you're gonna smell the coffee three times. So the first when it's dry, uh, the second when it's wet. So you've got the added um, aspect of of water, but also the heat of the water will change the way the coffee smells and bring out different um, aromas. And then when you break it as well. So the the break can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, it can there there are a lot of aromas that are going to come out. Um, so some people find it useful, some people don't, um, but it's a nice experience to go through. So. And Warren, do you, do you want to describe for, for the complete newbie to this, so what, what does the break look like? Well, there are many ways of breaking. I prefer to take my spoon and break from the one side of the, the cup and gently push the coffee down and then pull it, pull it back towards the, the, the cup and then pick it up so you can smell both the aromatics coming out of the water and the aromatics coming at the back of the spoon at the same time. That's my particular way of breaking. I, I, it might, I don't think it's that important. I think the most important thing is to make sure you smell the breaks. You can break it any other way, but that's the way I break. I don't know if, if you've got something to say, uh, Kath. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, as I say, maybe it's, it can be a little bit overwhelming, so so maybe don't be surprised if you don't get anything, or it just smells like coffee, or it smells like too much, or whatever it is. So that's well, all. One thing is your nose must be close to the glass. Don't don't smell it. Smells damn. <laughs> that's a that's a fair point. Yes. <laughs> paying paying careful attention not to accidentally dip your nose in the cup. Right? It's been done. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been there as well. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It, it's a potential danger, I suppose. No, there isn't a parking sensor on your nose, so just be careful. <laughs> so, so once you've broken up that crust on top, you've taken you've, you've taken in the aroma and and probably taken down your observations on the on the scoring sheet, which we'll we'll be discussing separately. Um, the next step is, that you've got on the sheet here, Warren, is skimming. Could could you tell us a little bit about why the step next? What what's the point of the skimming? Well, the main reason I skim is I don't want grinds in my teeth when I slurp. <laughs> but there is a scientific reason as well. And that is there is an argument that, that the oil's trapped on the top of the coffee, which you don't necessarily want in the coffee. Um, and this is actually an interesting experiment for those people who do find they get oil on top of the coffee. Try to taste the coffee with the oil and then agitate and without the oil, and you do get a difference. Uh, taste. So the idea is to take all the grinds on the top. So I always say, the, I say you take one spoon. You first of all, you rinse your spoons, 
you take one, you need two spoons, or you can do the one, and you put the one overlapping, and you go one left and one right, and you capture the stuff, and you throw it into a, another container, which has, isn't in your list of what things you need, but uh, you can put, if, you, if you're cupping outside, you can put it on the plants. We do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, very environmentally friendly as well. Now, I think, I think the, the oil thing is very interesting, is that um, I've certainly observed how different a coffee can taste in a plunger versus in the cupping bowl. And it took me a while to realize that the big driver of that difference is the fact that you're skimming the oil off the top, um, which I suppose is also the reason that I think is James Hoffman had a French press brew method where you also skimmed the oils off the top, right? But that can, the, 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 the presence of the oils can quite really change the aromatics in terms of what you're tasting, right? Well, not only French press, in fact, every coffee, um, if you take even an espresso, next time you, everybody likes the crema on top of the espresso, and it looks great. But actually, if you sip with and then, then, add, then, then mix it, you can taste a totally different coffee. It really is amazing how different it is. Okay. Okay. So you, you skim to get rid of those oils and those excess grounds. Um, and then comes the last step, probably the, uh, the, the, the most iconic part of the cupping, which is the slurping. So, do you want to talk to us about why why do we slurp when we cup coffees, Warren? Well, let Kath do this one. She's she's an expert at slurping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my my mother is so proud. Um, so so the slurping is really just about drawing the coffee uh, across your across your entire tongue. So, um, yeah, so that you can experience the the sweetness, the acidity, um, that kind of thing. But then also um the the aromatics as it's as it kind of hits the back of your throat as well so the 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 slurping aerates the coffee very similar to wine i would imagine i'm not not a big uh wine taster but you're you're aerating the the coffee and um uh, kind of giving yourself access to the aromatics that are actually in the coffee so you get the taste as well as the, the aromatics right and um Warren, you had a point to make here as well about um, flushing or rinsing your spoon in between in between tastings, right? Yeah, it is very important that you rinse between every single slurp, um, even if you're going to take from the same coffee, because you want to make sure there's no uh, nothing on that spoon when you taste again. There's one for, for somebody who's a gulper. There's one note I will uh, say: uh, make sure you take just enough coffee. Don't fill the spoon. Take enough that, that you're not going to choke on the thing because you're going to inhale that that some of the coffee because you slurp it very quickly. You're trying to get as much air and coffee in at the same time. And there are some people that actually close the back of their mouth, trap the trap the coffee, and then do the to to get the coffee to go around their mouth. I'm not saying you need to do that. It's very whiny, uh, but uh, it it sounds good. If you if you get really good at this, you can start making your own signature slurp and see if people can recognize you. I guess we'll get to hear everybody's signature slurps on the uh, on the on the future podcast episodes. Uh, I'm working hard on mine. <laughs> and um, I'm curious. I'm curious with both of you because both of you obviously cup frequently in a professional context. Do you tend to spit out the coffee when you're cupping, or do you tend to swallow it? <laughs> This is a. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> is it not? I mean, it, it, right? Because it, it, if you're cupping a lot of coffees, um, over caffeination is a real risk. I think. No. 
Yes, yeah. So I, for myself, um, I'm not, uh, I'm maybe doing, um, the most I'll do in any day is uh, 10 sets. Um, so it's, for me, it's not actually too much. Um, but I have been in, a, in an environment where I've had to do three or four times that a day. And over over a period, like um, three or four days, and that is there, there. You want you want to make sure that you're spitting, particularly if you're not used to that, because you will. Uh, it not only affects uh, your your um, a kind of heart rate and like physically, it doesn't just affect you physically; it it'll affect you mentally and emotionally as well, and that'll affect the ultimately that'll affect the scores that you put down. So. There is a theory that spitting lets you taste it the second time, but personally, I don't spit. Same with wine. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. I guess you've built up an incredible tolerance to both caffeine and alcohol, then, hey, Warren? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. not, not alcohol. As 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 the uh, as I've seen the 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 darker darker parts of my life, right? alcohol's definitely caught up with me. Maybe caffeine will catch up as well. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so I guess that 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 covers the basics of um, of how to do the cupping. Obviously, there will be a document that we'll share with people that will go with this. Um, I wonder if we should talk briefly about what people should be looking for, or maybe that'll be anticipating the discussion about the score sheet too much. Um, look, I think that I'd like to make a comment um, about why are we doing this and the i find it fascinating I, I have an extremely different market segment to most people because i tend to um, deal more with end users or co people who love brewing coffee than i do with uh, people who are brewing it and serving it um, so i tend to get asked a lot of questions um, by the let's call it the the coffee lover i, I like to call them the coffee lovers and probably if I had to choose the top three things people always ask me, one of them is, can I cup? Please, can I, you show me how to cup? I really want to cup. And it means that there's a level of um, fascination towards this methodology that wouldn't say is common knowledge, but those people who are into coffee and do some reading on the internet pretty quickly find out that cupping is something that people do to taste coffee. And it's... That to me is what's important. If you if you re listen to this podcast because you want to cup, you actually know enough already. It sounds a bit, um, uh, you know, um, I can't remember what the, what the word is, but I'm not trying to blow smoke up anybody's um, anything. But if you get if you've got this far, then normally you probably know enough to continue. Sure. Yeah. Be curious enough. Yeah. And absolutely. I, and I and think cupping cupping is a phenomenal way of tasting coffee, and I think you can get addicted to it. And I actually read, I heard um, Peter Giuliano saying the reason why most coffee professionals don't drink a lot of espresso is because they spend too much time cupping, so they end up liking one or other different pour over or filter technique more than they like uh, your typical espresso. And I think that might be the case with almost every professional cuffer or person who does a lot of cuffing. I don't know if they prefer espresso over um, the 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 more traditional uh, filter and pour over and that kind of brew. 
I don't know what you feel, Tess. No, I I agree. I think, um, but I mean, I think they're they're very different um, brew methods. So uh, it's it's pretty hard to compare. So because I'm a I'm a barista competition judge, I have an appreciation for just straight espresso and how great that can taste, um, and and the skill involved and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I may not be I may not be your uh, average in in that in that group but i know you probably drink more um pour over coffee than pulse uh an espresso on a, on a day-to-day basis i agree with you espresso is a great drink i mean i i come from a espresso background i love espresso i grew up with a mocha pot so that's technically not espresso but to me espresso yeah. is more about texture and f- the way it feels in your mouth then then flavor is important but to me the dominant factor for me is is what the what the the coffee feels like when I drink it, um, while in a pour over technique, it's more about the flavor. So you you lack a bit of the body, but you you gain in the fruitiness and the the deliciousness of the coffee. Not that espresso can't be delicious. So anyway, it's a separate conversation. It sounds sounds like that could be a podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. espresso can be delicious for sure. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Personally, I think if, if you making it and you, or you, you, somebody you trust is making it, it can be delicious. Yeah, absolutely. So, so on that note of potential future podcast episodes, maybe we should end on just letting people know what the next episodes in in this cupping series will be. Well. The next, this is 12A we, we've sort of recorded and done. I'm going to have to re-edit it because there's a lot of repeating and there's some stuff that I still want to take out. But it'll be a short on why did we come up with a methodology. Then this will be 12B and then 12C will be how to how to score. And then um, within the next week uh, or two, uh, most of us, who are, we so far have Joburg and Durban and Cape Town online. Durban, I've only got two people confirmed. I'm trying to get hold of uh, more people there. Uh, Joburg, I think you might have too many people, Kath. No, so um, I'm happy with whoever comes, but uh, at this point, uh, Grant, Grant, I haven't actually spoken to him, but I, I would imagine that he's keen. Matt is on board, which is which is great. And then um, I've chatted to Abby, but I haven't gotten around to Ishan yet. So um, I know that Grant, yeah. I know that Grant mentioned a couple of other people, but for the moment, if if we can keep it just there, that's great. Yeah, in Cape Town, we are, Mike's coming, uh, Faden's coming, I'm there, uh, and Zane's there, and we may have Byron, but uh, and we may have Umzakizi, but Umzakizi might just be a guest cover because he doesn't like scoring, so he just likes giving his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's okay. I just like giving my opinion to you. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. You're wrong. I disagree with you. <laughs> anyway, and Durban, I haven't got hold of Ian. I don't know well enough, but uh, I Charlie's on board, and as far as I know, Alessandra's on board. So, I could, But we can confirm that. Um, did uh, Faina, the guy, send you the – I sent, sent you Charlie's address. Did he send you his telephone number? So, so the coffee sample so, – so I guess for everybody's context, all three of these groups are going to cup the exact same coffees from the exact same roast batches, but um, they were all dispatched today. So, so there's a batch on the way to Cuff, and there's a batch on the way to Charlie. Um, so, yeah, they're all ready to go, the three mystery coffees. Okay, well, I'm looking Woo-hoo! forward – 
<laughs> I'm looking forward to, to copying them on, on Monday. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Cool. Thanks a lot, and thanks for your time. And uh, I'm really hoping this is the first in a series of mystery coffee, coffee cuppings. Um, although we could think of other things to do, but this is one of the things that I like doing in coffee. Definitely. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks Great. a lot. All right. Thanks, cool. guys. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Ciao. Cheers.